Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Leanne S., John Dulong, and Joe Sias Melendez. Listeners like you. Become a supporter of the podcast today at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. Four more years, four more years, four more years, four more years, four more years. Now, Will, excuse my ignorance, but four more years of what? Well, Lucas, I'm glad that you asked. Four more years of Arthur. Uh, And... And I quote, leading Canadian 2D studio Oasis Animation announced a $3 million investment in a major expansion program to boost its production capacity. Uh, The shop has also just inked two new TV series contracts, one of them being seasons 22 to 25 of Arthur. Well, damn. If you thought Arthur was going away, you were sorely mistaken. You thought wrong. Arthur's here to stay, baby. <laughs> so that's what I mean. That's the that's the only kind of four more years I'm talking about here on Elwood City Limits, the internet's number one Arthur podcast. Welcome. Diamonds come and go, but Arthur Arthur's forever. <laughs> this is Will Young with my co-host, Mr. Lucas Mancini. Arigato. So yeah, that's uh, that that was making news this week of. Uh, how Arthur is getting another four seasons. So regardless of how you feel about Arthur still being here, hopefully it's good because this is great news if you're an Arthur fan in the year 2018. We'll see season 25 of Arthur in just a few short years. Hmm. It's, it's it's getting up there. It's, yeah, getting it's, to, it's getting up there with like some of the longer... Like how many seasons of The Simpsons have there been? 20... Let me see here. Uh... Wikipedia, don't fail me now. Uh, it is twenty nine. So not that and far ca- from. That's not that different. Like and and counting. Yeah, considering that the the Simpsons started in like nineteen eighty nine, and Arthur almost ten years later. Hmm. Short seasons, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Speaking of short seasons, we are in one of the shorter seasons right now. Season four. We're gonna get to our episode in just a moment. Uh, last week, I said that we had the largest mailbag, the biggest amount of mail that we've ever had over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, but I tell a lie because I think this week has it beat, <laughs> or at least tied. Is it all because of the milk bag stuff? Has that really uh, been the straw that broke the mailbags back? Uh, I think it's at least half of them. I haven't read through <laughs> all of them. But we did get a we did get a big break in the mailbag in the milk bag cake case this week, so I'm really interested to read into these. So let's do that. First one is from Matthew. Greetings from Ontario. Hey Lucas and Will. Uh, previously sent asks to the podcast Tumblr Elwood City Limits. Uh, 
yes, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com under the name Kevlar Ninja. Kevlar Ninja always reblogging our episodes. So thank you very much, Matthew. Appreciate that. But I thought I'd try email so I wouldn't have to worry too much about running out of space. I was listening to you guys discuss the food from Leftovers Goulash a few episodes ago. I think I would run, thought I would run some quick, weird food picks and see where the two of you fall. Here in Ottawa, we have a burger joint called The Works, who have all kinds of different burgers. Lucas, are you ready for some Works burgers? Dude, I am not... so excited. This is so up my alley. Let's go. The first one is the Turkey Dinner Burger, a turkey burger topped with stuffing, cranberry sauce, and gravy. See, I'm with you except for the cranberry sauce, but you know what? Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a sweet and savory thing, but so is turkey dinner. So I, I feel like that's like a solid definitely would try, definitely would order. Next. I think I would too. Uh, the Down Under Burger. It's a burger with caramelized onions, egg, pineapple, red beets, and gouda. See, that's... in this one, you, you had me up until the pineapple. Oh, see, I think I'm down for the whole thing. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> that sounds absolutely – I'm surprised it did not have kangaroo in it. Uh, during Burger Week here in Halifax, uh, one of the one of the Burger Week participants always makes a kangaroo burger, and it's really expensive. It's like 30 bucks. Yeah, maybe it's just too expensive to have as like a regular menu item. Mm. And finally, the Burgeroni, cheese-stuffed 8-ounce beef patty topped with pepperoni, onion strings, and pizza sauce. In, in, in. I'm in. <laughs> this one I think is a it's a hair too far for me. No, I'm just kidding. I'd, I'd probably eat this one as well. Matthew continues. Really glad you guys are doing this. Uh, hope the podcast can keep on going, and hope this particular email adds a bit of flavor to the podcast. Ooh. Thank you, Matthew, for your uh, loyal listenership. Glad I ate breakfast before we started to record today. Yeah, although I could definitely go for a burger. Hmm. We got a couple of emails here. I'll just amalgamate into one big email from Z from Michigan, an avid Arthur fan since they've been little. I would rush home from school, watch it with my mom, and draw the characters. I'll be looking forward to the future episodes, including the first Postcards from Buster episode and Arthur, It's Only Rock and Roll special. What did you think of the Postcards from Buster spinoff series? Did you watch that at all when it was on? So I... (laughs) Like, I did not watch a lot of it. I have definitely seen Postcards from Buster when I was a little kid, and I think the reason I didn't watch a lot of it was it wasn't really my kind of thing. It was more of like, it was very similar to like This Is Daniel Cook, where it was Mm. a sort of documentary style, like kids go on a tour of a thing, or it was very that type of educational. Um, And I was like, I want to see Buster be Buster, the cartoon characters. I don't care about all this stuff. So, um I don't think it was my type of thing back then. I'm sure it was, like, well-executed and stuff like that. I'd be interested to go back to it and see how it holds up. I, yeah, I think it was just something that I I checked out because it was Arthur-adjacent, but then it was, like, mostly live action, and then I kind of backed away from it. If it wasn't a cartoon when I was little, I wasn't listening. Postcards from Power, Buster, Power a.k.a. Arthur Gaiden. <laughs> uh, Z also had another email asking what songs or music artists would you choose to describe Arthur characters I feel like uh, there's probably a hip hop angle we can come at this I mean everybody from. knows John Legend is Arthur he's the Arthur stand in mm. uh, I feel like the brain would be like J. Cole like everybody okay. thinks he's like smarter than he is they're like oh wow like the brain's so like intelligent with all of his his rhymes <laughs> um, Buster is definitely like Lil Pump. 
You know what I mean? Okay. He's, he's pure ego. He's pure just like uh, aliens in my bed. What? She get a day. Um, I think that, you know, Binky, uh, Binky's like a, like a 50 cent type, like a real like aggro, like he ain't afraid to start something. Um, but he's also, but he's also got songs like 21 questions for to be a little sensitive. Exactly. 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 Uh, you know, George is Drake. Uh, Oh, you think so? I don't know. Arthur seems a bit more like a Drake. I know that we have the John Legend comparison, but I don't. Yeah, I guess yeah. I, Arthur, I, Arthur, be a good Drake. I I, I could just see uh, Pusha T coming up to Arthur and be like, "You're hiding a child." Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! Uh, I think <laughs> I think Francine is the Cardi B to Muffy's Nicki Minaj. Oh, I like it. I like. Oh, I love it. I love it even. <laughs> Um. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> um, that is. That's great. <laughs> that's so great. Arthur. Like actually, like like that actually reminds me of oh, when I was watching and, and, earlier this year the music video for uh, Finesse, the remix with Cardi B. There's a couple of faces that Cardi was pulling in the video. And I'm like, man, that's such a Francine thing to do. Uh, I was that's wrong. Uh, Buster would not be Lil Pump. Uh, DW would be Lil Pump. Oh, okay. So then, yeah. who would Buster be? Oh, jeez, Buster would be like. Uh, let's see. What's the most conspiracy? Maybe. What's the most conspiracy? Uh, excuse me. Buster would be was, uh uh little yachty. He'd be little boat. I you know, yeah. I was I was gonna say yeah. uh like but in more of the sense of like they both seem really laid back. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Little Buster would have all the old heads bugging him about like why don't you respect the classics, Buster? <laughs> why don't you like Notorious B.I.G. Even though you're eighteen. Um, uh, yeah, I'm DW go, definitely would be low pump. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Tr- I'm gonna try and stay on this, even though I'm not as uh, as into as as knowledgeable about hip hop as you are. I'm gonna say that Fern is little little Uzi Vert, a little Ooh. bit more of the the goth edge of things. Getting goth, getting emotional. Emotional. I could see Fern being little Uzi Vert. That's a that's a pretty apt comparison. Uh, I could also <laughs> see Fern being like a Travis Scott type. That would work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, Mr. Rapburn would be future. <laughs> How do you figure? Because he's like, I got a lesson plan. Put it in my pan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. I mean, sure. I was, I was thinking that we would go back a generation for somebody. I got uh, straight like A's all in every day. Pour it up. Skr, skr. Actually, oh, the Migos would be the tough customers. Oh, dude, yeah, totally. Rattles would be uh, Quavo. Yeah. Uh, Offset would definitely... What's the one with the bangs, his name? Oh, Molly. Molly would definitely be Offset. And then the the random third guy would be Takeoff. That the brown dog kid would be Takeoff. (laughs) We settled it. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, this is great. Great question. Thank you, Z. Appreciate that email. A quick one here from Dylan. Uh, So since we collectively asked for Bruce Dinsmore on the podcast and you got him, what happens if we ask for Stone Cold Steve Austin to be on the podcast? Oh, my God. Uh, Well, we won't know until you tweet him. It's true. So if if you want to hear Stone Cold Steve Austin on Elwood City Limits, you better get to tweeting him. That's all I'm saying. Goodness gracious. Is, Is there a Stone Cold Arthur connection? 
I mean, maybe. Maybe there's one we don't know about. We Hell can't yeah, know. Until- broadcasting here from the Broken Skull Ranch. I got my friends Lucas and Will here down at the Broken Skull Ranch. We're about to open up a can of audio whoop-ass, but first let me tell you a little bit of something about Squarespace. Bark box. <laughs> Welcome back to the Steve Austin Show. Hershey the Wonder Dog. It's where the women hunt you. <laughs> Uh, and finally, to tie it back to the milk bag thing. Yes. This, one, this one's from Yoshi. Let's open up the proverbial milk bag. Yoshi says, I'm glad someone in the U.S. has also heard about individual milk bags. I did a Google image search, and I found the chocolate versions of the ones that we had in elementary school. Um, so I'm going to send you a photo here over... Oh, I saw it on the Facebook. Is the one on the Facebook page? Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. it's it's pretty much the same. I'll just send you this one just for comparison's sake. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, but it is so you were you and I were, you were mentioning you were thinking of like the same type of bag as a sippy, except with milk, and that's pretty much what this is. It's like a it's a small plastic bag with milk right, in it. That, and there's that's a, what I that's what I was picturing. What the emailer was saying because I, I I I can't speak for you, Will, but we had nothing like this in Canada. No, nothing like, at all. I'm not sure if I'm being clear what I'm saying that uh, the milk <laughs> bags we're referring to are like quite, they're large. They're like two liters of milk yes. in a bag. Uh, these individual ones, I just don't even know how you could drink this comfortably. No, I mean. <laughs> it just seems like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it really does. Uh, I, I will mention here as well, we got a post on our Facebook page from Iman, who uh uh, grew up in Southern California, which is where, which is one of the places. So Cal represent available in plain chocolate and strawberry. The worst was when you'd poke the straw in on one of your outdoor lunch tables and it go straight through to the other side. That's the thing. There is so much to go wrong. Yeah, here. I, I mean, just don't even understand. Like, I'm trying to figure out how you would do it and have it not make a mess, and I, it's just not coming to me. I mean, sippy bags in general, even with the juice, where we had it in our neck of the woods, like. You had to tear open a corner of it with your teeth, and it was it was just a really bad scene, no matter what. So, the 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 liquid in bags thing was never was never good. It was just it's just a thing. It really anyway, is a, just put it in a dang box, please. I know. Give the children some milk boxes. But this does shed some light on things. Unfortunately, not the milk bags we're talking about. I'll uh, I'll maybe I'll post something this week and. Uh, give our American and international listeners something to chew on. And that's all of our emails over at uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Great a bumper crop this week. Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate those emails. Okay, so now let's get into it. Uh, this one, I was wondering when we were get to it. Uh, Buster's Breathless is our first story today. And speaking of wondering what was happening... Uh, I remember this cold open very well, and I was wondering which episode it was attached to, because I genuinely couldn't remember. And it's uh, Arthur and Buster, they're out hunting the dangerous snake. It's its almost like a nature documentary. They're going through the weeds with nets, and they're hunting the dangerous snake, which has big horns and makes a fearsome sound of aroo. All of this is very Calvin and Hobbesian. Like it, it, it's such a great. It's been a while since we've had a really good Arthur and Buster playing pretend, uh, and this is a great like childhood, just complete fantasy of this this uh, unearthly creature. 
And it turns out it's it's a game they're playing with DW as the dangerous snake, which is funny. They like sneak up on her and she's just listlessly aru aru, like really not that into. Also, it. there's nothing snake like about her. She's just got the horns. Well, yeah, ex- exactly. It's just DW with uh, a headband with two branches for horns, uh, and so they're they're chastising her for not getting into character enough. So. DW puts some leaves on herself to disguise amongst the uh, amongst the tall grass, like she's a Pokemon or something. And then they try the dangerous snake approach again. And then DW comes out of the brush and they recoil because she's wearing poison. Should have I- used the repel TM. Yeah, uh, yeah, poison ivy. Never encountered it in the wild myself, but of course cartoons it's it's like it's kind of like quicksand in cartoons it's like always watch out for poison it's quicksand skunks and poison ivy i mean i might be way off base here i might be totally speaking out of turn Uh but am i wrong to assume that poison ivy may be more common in the continental united states uh than it is here in canada I wonder if I think, because of our colder climate, there's not as much poison ivy around. Because it really is ubiquitous in cartoons. If you're going to go in the woods, watch out for poison ivy. And I've never seen poison ivy in my life. A Google search of poison ivy gets me a link to Canada.ca. Okay. And the byline is poison ivy can be found in every province except Newfoundland. Oh, well, so maybe we, that answers maybe our question. Never, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. Hmm. It's the uh, silent itchy maker. Uh, this setup i just wanted to say this intro actually is a really good if you wanted to sum up some of the dynamics of arthur in like a minute this is a really good distillation of multiple like arthur story tropes like we have the imagination of arthur and buster and the setup and the fourth wall breaking of him talking to the camera and then we have like dw's like total misunderstanding of the situation um it's just a very succinct uh distillation of a lot of arthur dynamics yeah, great point. It it really does mix a lot of uh, what makes Arthur Arthur uh, quite well. So after the cold open, DW is uh, going crazy with poison ivy itches, and Mom puts some calamine lotion on her, and Arthur is tasked to help distract her while the poison ivy kind of wears off. Uh, DW, of course, it makes these really hideous uh, pink splotches on her skin, which it does kind of in real life, except it's more red. Um so DW is very self-conscious about being seen with it. So mm. as they head to the Sugar Bowl, DW is dressed in her getup as Otis, which is a Jason-style hockey mask and oven mitts. Yeah, like a hockey mask from the 80s. Like she's about to rob a uh, a truck with bonds in it with Robert De Niro <laughs> and his gang. She's like Wayne or- Grove. Or like she's in a heritage minute about uh, oh Jacques Plant. Yeah, the Rocket Richard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, DW as Otis, by the way, it would be a great Halloween costume. It's a like it's such a like you have the standard DW costume, which would also be great. But like if you were going somewhere with people in the know, like if if Elwood City Limits had a Halloween party, then DW as Otis would get my vote for winning costume. She looks like. She's about to be in a TurboGrafx-16 game where you beat up monsters in some sort of house, some sort of splatter house, perhaps. Ah, very good. Uh, So they head to the Sugar Bowl. I must note here, Buster, when they get there, is on his fifth milkshake. (laughs) This this kid is going to get diabetes. I did not notice this. That's hilarious. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness! All of that—that just—that's like so much milk. That's so much lactose. I know, dude. It's a bad situation. Uh, so Buster is obviously confused by DW's getup. Uh, and he Arthur does play along though. He he's he's careful to refer to DW as Otis. He goes, Otis, uh, why are you wearing why are you wearing that hockey mask? And DW responds, I don't want to get hit in the face with a puck. You have a problem with that? <laughs> Yeah, she's very she's very defensive. It's great. Which hey, solid uh, point though. If you didn't want to get hit in the face with a puck, you would wear a hockey mask. So Arthur lets him in on like why she's wearing that stuff, and then it somehow reminds Buster of a really bad cough that he had one time. Which is kind of a weird uh road to take to where we're getting, but alright, whatever. Uh yeah, it reminds Buster of a time when he got a really bad cough, the cough that started everything. It was when he and Arthur were <laughs> it's just funny with the setup of like on a rainy day in a wooden treehouse, Arthur unearths a uh a bunch of joke books that he found in the basement that are covered in dust. And of course this is apt this is optimum uh asthma making conditions. Yeah, it's like it's like that they're entering the asthma chamber. It's like moisture of the air, check. Moldy joke books, check. Um, what uh cedar smell check <laughs> check uh, i, this I is meant to, what yeah. jesus and marrow would refer to as the origin of buster's baby lungs <laughs> matt he's got he got mad baby lungs yeah they're saying buster got the baby lungs no offense to anybody with <laughs> asthma i don't actually think you have the baby lungs no my fiance actually has uh quite severe the baby asthma. lungs <laughs> yeah yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say that to her when she comes back from work. I'll see how that goes over. Um, but yeah, I meant to watch this with her, and I didn't because I would love to see uh, the perspective of someone who has asthma, how they kind of how how it's represented here. Hmm. Uh, so I apologize, I wasn't able to do that. Um, so yeah, of course, Buster starts hacking and coughing and has trouble breathing, uh, which is how eventually he gets investigated. For having asthma, he demonstrates it to DW as, uh, or excuse me, Otis, as uh, it being like trying to breathe through a straw, but like a straw that's clogged. And he demonstrates by drinking. Giving us DW's some really great ASMR. We get some Buster slurping ASMR if that's your sort of thing. <laughs> oh, ew, ew, I hate it. <laughs> Stop. To the listeners out there, I had to listen to it too, and it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> and this Sorry. isn't the only. There's an ep, there's an ASMR in the other episode too, by the way. In the, in the <laughs> next episode, we're gonna watch. There's also straight up like Buster. Ar, no, it's Arthur. Arthur's like, and it's just like, oh, yeah, stop, the, stop. Oh yeah, the old whispering. I didn't. I, I I'm not sure. I knew that ASMR really set you off that badly. Uh. I will, I, will only, I will only use this power for good. Um, so Buster gets taken to the uh, the hospital and and fitted with a uh, what's the word I'm trying to think inhaler. of inhaler inhaler inhaler. Um, and Arthur kind of blames himself. He thinks it's his fault because he's gave him those old joke books. Um, there's a there's a character here at. The I love how everyone. Would, sorry, I just love how everyone's yeah, yeah. so specific about the cause of this problem. Like, even the doctors, like, it was the joke books that you breathed in. Like, why does it matter if they were joke books <laughs> or like any other? They always are very careful to refer to the joke books. I as like, if, I, like I, because of the bad humor made them extra moldy. 
I like this doctor character. Um, she's like has kind of a slight British accent and. Yeah, it's like uh, British or almost like South African. Like it made me think of that Will Smith concussion movie. We have to take better care of our warriors. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Uh, you have a concussion. Yeah, yeah I like to. And she does say it's like the the dust from those old joke books. <laughs> Just like, ah. Like how would she know? <laughs> <laughs> the joke books were the key. Uh, <laughs> it's like an oh, episode of House where like they have to investigate like they they can't diagnose what's wrong and it's like oh it's the special joke book ASMR we broke into his house and saw the joke books <laughs> it's the joke book dust the joke that book dust, dust. Is, that dust is 50 years old it's got all kinds of allergens in yes. it I thought it was uh, – what is the thing that's it always is on House but it's not lupus. Uh, yeah I thought it was lupus but it was joke book uh, asthma <laughs> It's not joke books. <laughs> Everybody comes in this hospital. They think they're sick because of joke books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next day, Arthur kind of lets them know that Buster, like the situation with Buster and uh, everybody kind of takes it in a different kind of negative way. Like Francine and none of them know anything about asthma, which is, you know, fine. They're kids. Uh, but Francine gets kind of paranoid Um that she could that she could catch it that it's like a disease or something. Uh, there's a great, I, I say great in quotation marks. Uh, Francine goes, "Has anybody seen my penicillin? I mean, penicillin pen." This literally like had me snorting. This is one of the best jo- jokes of the episode. <laughs> so, so, so is that a good joke? I, I I don't even know if it's like a good joke in the style of The Simpsons. I think it's just like I don't know. It made me laugh. Okay. Uh, especially, I, uh, there's a very specific read. Like, it's not just the writing. Uh, Francine's delivery with that joke is hilarious because she's just <laughs> like, "Has anyone seen my penicil? I mean, pencil and pen. Pencil and pen." Um, what made me laugh was how Binky reacts to it. Is oh that he? Oh my thinks, god! Yeah, this he, too. He thinks Buster's faking, and of course, Binky played by the great Bruce Dinsmore. If you haven't listened to our Bruce Dinsmore interview, check it out. Um, yeah, he's like. He thinks that Buster's faking, so it's like, so Buster, if you get a, if you get asthma, if you get an asthma attack, do you have to go to the nurse's office? And Buster's like, yeah, to get my medicine. And Binky literally winks at him. He's like, just to get your medicine. I got you, pal. It's like what? So great. I love when, like, there's every once in a while now, the Binky character does this thing where, like, they write him like he's like a car salesman. Like, we've seen this in a couple episodes in a row now. Like, this I Got You Pal, and then there was um, Arthur O'Pal or Chubba Arthur, 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 my man. Yeah. My Arthur, my man. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, yeah, of course. Binky, MVP of Arthur. Like, quiet MVP. Later on, Uh, I mean, while we're talking about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Binky's got a great line where they're they're discussing if they think asthma is uh, contagious, and uh, Binky goes, "I think I have plasma," and then someone goes, "It's not plasma, Binky. It's asthma," and he says, "Stupid words, too many consonants altogether." <laughs> yes, classic Binky. Um, th- there's a bit of a montage here where they're kind of like acting weird around Buster because they don't really know anything about asthma. <laughs> there's a part where they're like spying him in the doctor's office and Buster's taking uh, his inhaler and Bus- and Binky's like, I knew he's not sick. He's just playing the kazoo. <laughs> there's a there's a part where like Francine is playing uh, baseball with Buster, goes to tag him out when he's running the bases, but then kind of like 
backs away from him because she's, again, afraid that she'll catch asthma. And we get this visual reference of, like, Buster kind of has, like, like all this green wafting stuff coming out of his mouth, which is meant to like represent the, you know, catching asthma, but it kind of looks like it looks minty fresh to me. It's like Buster's got some either really good or really bad breath. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. I thought it was like some sort like, I thought it was effective in being like, this is a contagion. Like, uh, uh, what's that Matt Damon movie? Contagion. Uh, Yeah. Contagion. (laughs) You know the the Soderbergh one. <laughs> we could have Paltrow dies oh at the my start. God. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! Uh, we got it. We got it. We got to do more of these in the morning. Uh, <laughs> my my uh, curing machine broke today. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a great visual gag in this uh, in this montage where um, Buster like picks up a, pow- a powdered sugar donut at the cafeteria, and then Arthur's like, "Watch out, Buster!" and then blows all of the powdered sugar off it, so it's a plain donut. I really liked that. <laughs> That'd be so like disappointing if that happened to you <laughs> in real life. Like, imagine somebody doing that to you in the Tim Hortons line. Oh my god, Just... that's like that's that's straight up like cause for violence. <laughs> Man, that's that's theft. You 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 stole from me. You stole mm. that sugar. Um, so Buster realizes that everybody's kind of avoiding him because of his asthma. So he decides to lie and say that his asthma is cured, uh, and tries to prove it to everybody. He like smells a math book, and then Francine Francine says, "Now I don't have to worry about catching asthma." And then Buster gives her this side eye, which is totally an Arthur meme alert. Ooh, I've definitely seen but like that Buster side glance in uh, in memes before. At this point, Buster is still trying to go ahead with the lie that he's better and his asthma is cured. Uh, he's avoiding going to the doctor's office for what seems to be routine. Uh, excuse me. Uh, routine inhaler uh, sessions. Yeah. And they are on their way to the cafeteria, and Francine says, it's Boston cream pie to- uh, day today. If we don't go now, it'll all be gone. Where do I get some Boston cream pie? It's, I want to try some Boston cream yeah, pie. Yeah, it, I think we're in a very similar situations where this episode is what taught me what Boston cream pie is. Uh, and it's not very common around here. We have plenty of Boston cream pie donuts. Uh, but Boston cream pie itself, I've still yet to have it. And I've wanted to have it ever since seeing this episode when I was like seven. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I'm not even sh- 100% confident what it is. It always seems to show up so in, it, re- in relation it, it, to Buster. It is It is like a custard pie. And the custard uh-huh. filling is the same as the donut. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I like and Boston it's got cream the, pie And it's got the chocolate on the top. I like Boston cream pie. That sounds good. You'd probably like Boston cream pie then. I was in Boston, and I didn't get a dang Boston cream pie. Mistakes were made. Missed opportunity. (laughs) Again, in kind of the way that Buster's lie eventually becomes revealed, is that much like the where the situation was optimal for its asthma to reveal itself earlier in the episode, it just so happens that Arthur and friends happen to be playing... I guess a version of hockey with the dustiest brooms in the Western hemisphere. It's like every time they do anything with these brooms, there's a cloud of dust just kicking up and it, and it, and it, and it uh, triggers Buster's asthma. 
it really is like if someone had devised like a saw trap for someone who's <laughs> suffering from asthma. Like, hello, Buster. You will play ringette with these dirty brooms. Ringette. That's that's much closer to what's happening there. Hmm. Hello, Buster. <laughs> it would make more sense if they made them curling, because then you actually use a broom. Yeah. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. You've been bre- you've been breathing air. I don't know. I'm gonna. I, th- I feel like we did this before. Uh, <laughs> Wait, have we? <laughs> I, I think there's another episode where we, like, go on a jigsaw tangent. We're like, we can't do this oh again. Oh, my goodness. Hey, listen to our back catalog, and you may find that episode. I think it's probably <laughs> in one of the descriptions. Uh, so Buster eventually has to go back to the to the nurse's office and take his inhaler. And the nurse suggests that maybe his classmates just don't understand what asthma is. And this leads uh, Buster to an idea of how to tell them what asthma is through a group uh, or excuse me, through a presentation, which, so <laughs> now before we get to Buster's presentation, yeah, of course, we get a, a, a quick little, we get to see the end of George's presentation, and I gotta yeah. say, George's presentation looks lit. You think? Uh, hell yes. Rubs those two balloons together, sticks them to his antlers, and he's like, "That's static electricity, baby." Solid presentation over all around. Would watch again. So I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know where to start talking about this because so essentially what Buster does is is like he comes up. He's like, my science report is about asthma, but before I do it, I need you to imagine you're really small. And everybody kind of looks at him, and he's like, you're not imagining it. I really want you to imagine it. So the whole thing is to. I guess the implication is to tell the most vibrant, the most paint, the most vibrant word picture known to I think man. The writers were just looking for a way to be like, okay, we need them to go on like a fantastic voyage, Mister uh, Fantastic Voyage, Magic School Bus, Osmosis Jones, uh, uh, Inner Space esque tour of the body. Well, and it this is very Magic School Bus of like he literally imagines them. Uh, becoming tiny enough for them to go into his nasal p- passage, into his lungs, to show how asthma uh, functions in the body. It's actually really cool. It's the best part of this episode, I'd say, because it's like Buster acting as like a tour guide. He's got like the the vest and the hat on. Yeah, the vest and the uh, hat are a very choice uh, addition to the whole scenario. Uh, his hat says lungs on it. Yeah, and like he does like the watch your step, no flash photography, please. Um, That's right. George actually gets separated from the group. He goes down the wrong hole uh, and accident almost perishes in Buster's stomach bile. Uh, yeah, but luckily, and, he, and, and he's covered uh, over half of his body in like this slimy custard pie. And Buster's like, uh, "Make sure you stick with the group. You could get lost in here." Uh, Binky has a great quote when they're in the lungs. Of he says, "I don't think I've ever been in anyone's lungs before." <laughs> Uh, so Buster does take them into... The... Especially not the baby ones. <laughs> uh, Buster takes them into um, into his lungs proper and shows how, you know, when he breathes in dust or mold, then his lungs kind of constrict and uh, causes him to cough. So it's uh, it's a pretty... It's a simplistic, but it's a imaginative uh, way to show kind of how asthma works on the body. And then everybody kind of... The imagination ends, and then Arthur says, like, wow, he's a great storyteller. I felt like I was really there. Except we get that magic realism back again, pushed to its nth degree 
Francine's hair is kind of blown up a little bit from the air that was going in Buster's lungs. And George is still covered in custard pie. So, you know. <laughs> what make happened? Make I'll let you, you be the judge. Yeah. Uh, make, make, of, make of that what you will. But uh, for the result that we got, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's a cartoon. Whatever. Um. <laughs> And then Buster says, you know, he definitively says asthma is not contagious. Uh, And then he just says, like, I'm still the same old Buster. I just have asthma like I have big ears, which leads to a tremendous joke where like Binky's the one who asks, like, are you trying to tell us something? And then Buster explains, you know, still the same old Buster. Just have asthma like I have big ears. And we cut to Binky, and he's writing notes, and it's literally same old Buster, big ears. And he says, I'm going to ace this test. <laughs> My favorite part of this whole thing is that same old and Buster are two different lines. As if they're two oh different pieces God. of information. Yeah, he, like, was... something same old. What? It is it? I don't know. But Buster is indeed in front of me. Anyway, I, I laughed like crazy. I thought this was great. Uh, and the episode ends back uh, at the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Buster kind of finishing up his story. And the message he imparts to DW is that, uh, you know, when you take the time to get educated about, you know, something that's going on with you and you educate others, you can clear up misunderstandings, which she tries to do with the Tibble twins when they think that uh, DW has chicken pox. And then she they kind of run out of the Sugar Bowl. She runs after them trying to educate them and i actually thought that was a really good message of like um you know go uh going out of your way to educate people yeah and no no that can clear up clear up misunderstandings now of course when you're an adult that gets it to be a bit trickier but when you're a kid that uh you know getting the right information is very important because it goes a long way in life and I think it actually fits well with the, the sort of health issue kind of subject. Like on a smaller uh, scale, stuff like I remember I've had friends who have pink eye and the, your natural response is to like avoid them and kind of treat them differently and be like, oh, they have pink eye. Can stay away from me. I don't want to hang out this week. It's contagious. Uh, but it's like that makes people feel really bad if you go about it a certain way. So it's important to educate people about being mindful of people's feelings. But also education about health issues is like super important because there's still much so many stuff stigmas about them that's like the whole point of another podcast from this area the sick boy podcast is all Mm. about educating people about different illnesses and stuff like that and trying to clear up stigmas regarding them and it's still something that people have to work on into adulthood and and sort of fight against that stigma to this day so this is actually an arthur episode with a uh very unique and important message that's a great point. I need to listen to Sick Boy podcast more often. They're literally from our same city of Halifax. Uh, and speaking of podcasts in Halifax, Lucas, maybe this is a good time to mention that oh, the, yes. the Best of Halifax 2018 award nominations are up. Can you can you explain uh, what that is for people who might not know? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I have the webpage up right now. Our local newspaper, The Coast, every year does a Best of Halifax Awards. Uh, they do it for all kinds of stuff: arts, culture, restaurants, you know, politicians, film, uh, t- Twitter accounts, uh, pretty much anything you could think of that would be in this city. They uh, have awards for, and one of them is Best Podcast. Uh, so all you have to do to nominate us, it's it's really really easy, is go to bestofhalifax.com. You scroll down to the section that says uh, media, and then 
Just type in Elwood City Limits, three separate words, uh, as a nomination in the best podcast category and a little blurb about why you think we're the best. Uh, it really helps us out just because I I like the recognition. You know, I love this city and I love the Halifax Awards because it's sort of a celebra- celebration of all the cool stuff here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, and I'm proud of the podcast. And I want more people from around here uh, to know about it as well. So that'd be a huge help, all you Elwood City listeners. Just head on over to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to media, and then best podcast, and put us in. And hey, if you know anything else about pod, uh, about Halifax, you could fill in some of the other categories too. Absolutely. Thanks, Lucas. Appreciate you shedding some light on that. And I'll just say, Halifax born, Halifax bred. And when it's all said and done, I'll be Halifax dead. Hell yeah. I'm a, I'm Let- a broken man. On a Halifax, Halifax Pier. Pier the, the last, last of Barrett's, Barrett's privateers. privateers. All right. So let's get into our second half of this Arthur episode, The Fright Stuff. Uh, and this cold open is all is actually pretty short compared to some of the other ones we've gotten. It's uh, Arthur coming out of, like, this old spooky wooden tree with, like, wearing these, like, werewolf uh, gloves. And it's, it's a- like we're... Sp- we're supposed to it's we're supposed to think it's a monster, but then Arthur's like, "Gotcha, just a practical joke." It's a good week for the openings, like two solid openings in a row, uh, because this one's just like twists upon twists upon twists. And I mean, also a great week for a horror-themed Arthur episode to come out when we've just got when the trailer for Suspiria just dropped, the oh remake to Suspiria. That's Can we I'm just really... quick aside? So many good trailers the, these last few days, dude. We yes. got the trailer for Suspiria. We got the trailer for that Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, um, into the Spider-Verse! I'm so excited. Did you see the trailer for? Oh, let me. Did you see the trailer for the Tetris effect? No, what's that? Oh my goodness! It is indescribable, Will. Um, I, I almost feel bad that I told you about it because the trailer is so much better when you don't know what a trailer, what it is a trailer for, but I will just say, don't read anything else about it. Just look up the trailer for the Tetris effect. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's been a good week for trailers. Okay. I'm, I have it ready. I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it yet. I'm going to watch it when we're done, but I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, look up the Suspiria. If you're listening to this, you have your homework. Look up the Suspiria trailer. The Edge of the Spider-Verse trailer and the Tetris Effect trailer, they're all very good. Not to mention uh, the trailer for the Lego movie, too, if that's up your alley. Oh, I didn't even see that! Oh, dude, yeah. I thought you were going to be like the Wreck-It Ralph trailer, the Wreck-It Ralph Ugh, 2 trailer. I was going to be like, oh, maybe skip that one. Yeah, that's pretty low. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty low on the old list. I I haven't watched that yet, but uh, yeah. Uh, Hachibachi. But you know what? That's not a bad batting average. Like, five good trailers. Yeah. Five, four good trailers, one bad one. Pretty good. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, so yeah, it, you mentioned twists and turns. It's a great week for this to happen because uh, uh, Arthur's. The whole thing is that Arthur loves practical jokes, and then it turns out that somebody else is behind the tree, and it's somebody with Arthur's face. And then we get into a good old dose of Arthur body horror, which you and I love so much. <laughs> uh, where. It's li- literally what it is. It's the two Arthurs pulling off each other's what what ended up being masks. You're saying but that it, the two Arthurs are taking their face off. Off. I want to take Arthur's face <laughs> off. This is an audio podcast, so no one can see me 
touching my face with like a claw hand and then motioning into in front of me, but I am doing that over and over and over again. I can't I say the a... words face off without doing it. I could eat a Boston cream pie for hours. Oh, okay, moving on. And I could. Uh, pie's big. Uh, yeah, so it ends, it's like Francine is under the mask, Buster's under the mask, and it's like, it's pretty forceful grabs of each other's heads, so it's it's a little rough. Then it turns out Binky is the is like the fake Arthur. He pulls off Francine's mask, but then it turns out it's her head. Like he literally like pulls her head off, but then it turns out that it was actually Arthur all along under like three different masks or something. And that's just like practical jokes. Gotta love them, I guess. Are you much of a practical joker, Lucas? No, I would not be the poly D of my group. I, I am not much for prank wars. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I've been involved in like a single practical joke now that I think about it. How about yourself? Are you much of a prankster? Not really. It's not, it's not really something that I, uh, that I find myself doing much of. So, no, can't really say that I am. Sorry, that's kind of a disappointing answer, I know. But, uh, yeah, just never really appealed no, to me. I, can, I have to live vicariously through the cast of the Jersey Shore, like with the situation, uh, since Snooki in the wrong cab to New York. What a great prank. Episode starts out with uh, actually a series of practical jokes to the main uh, male characters of Arthur's crew. So, like, this, speaking of waiting for things to happen, I think about this series of brain lines from the brain uh, more than I should. So it's like brain at a cafeteria table and he just goes out of nowhere to Sue Ellen. He just goes, mm spaghetti. <laughs> and it always sticks in my head as well as his reaction to what's actually in his lunch container. Uh, worms or as Sue Ellen says, gummy worms, but brain literally goes like, ah, worms. Yuck. <laughs> See, this is just more evidence that Brain would be J. Cole. You think? Why yeah, is that? Yeah, I could see J. Cole being like, oh, worms, yuck. Arthur has a prank pulled on him when he needs to go back to his locker to get a textbook, and then a, and then a, a toy spider flies out at him, and he has a wonderful reaction of just like he falls to the floor. He's just like, get it off, get it off. No, no. <laughs> like, his, like his life is being sapped away. It's mm, great. What a world. Uh, Binky has one done to him as well. He's on the football field and tries to put his helmet on, but it turns out there's a skull in there. And yeah, he's... okay. <laughs> of all the pranks, this I I wrote down all caps. Where did the human skull come from? <laughs> that is a gr- that's a great question. I mean, it could be a fake skull for all we know. It, it okay, but it also is it is a human skull. Like, let's be clear. Even if it's a fake skull. Is this based off the Tibble Twins? Aren't the Tibble Twins like the only humans in the Arthur universe? Uh, I mean, that's not even really confirmed. So it's, it's like, not where did the sure. skull come from? Why is it an animal skull? Binky is very freaked out, and in fact, he he asks the skull, "Who are you?" <laughs> uh, and so, with each of these pranks, there is uh, a piece of paper attached. Uh, a mysterious piece of paper that tells him to meet at the library. Uh, Francine is there too. Uh, Francine is like, so somebody's been pulling a bunch of pranks on you. So what? And Biggie's like, so what? So it's working. That's what. <laughs> great. God, great. Biggie's great really book. doing the heavy lifting in these episodes. He sure is. 
And so as they're talking to Francine, she seems to be pulled behind the building by like uh, an octopus tentacle or something. And uh, it freaks them out for a good second, but then it turns out it was all a big ruse. Muffy and Francine pulled a series of pranks on them to invite uh, to invite them to Muffy's Halloween party, which will be, I believe, did, this, did she say it's based around or like it involves the new Scarier Pants Off book somehow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like uh, the new book's coming out, and so she's going to be doing a reading at uh, her dad's house just because this is a quick like lore recap for all the scare your pants off stuff in the previous seasons, but it's like, oh, her dad's such a big fan. Yeah, and uh, and there actually is a bit of uh, continuity continuation there, so I thought that was a great one. By the way, the name of the book is House of the Jackal Lantern, which, man, that title must have confused kids. Because it's like, it's Jack-O-Lantern, of course, is the word, but then... A jack, like jackal lantern, looks like a way that like an eight year old would misspell jackal lantern. You know what I mean? It's even yeah. hard to like verbally. House uh, of the Jackal sounds like an Agatha Christie book or something, or like a nineteen fifties horror movie starring Vincent Price. Hmm. <laughs> so Muffy invites them in the way, uh, invites her friends in the way that she did because last year in Halloween they pranked her in the library by like with like a toy bat on a fishing rod. And it embarrassed her, so now they are her extra special guests because she's got something big planned for them. In fact, her they, she even says that her party is going to be at a place called Castle Manor, which is supposedly haunted. Isn't Castle Manor kind of a redundant name? Isn't it? I think like, that's the I think that's the point. It's like they had to come up with the most like generic prefix for manor, and they picked castle. Yeah, it's like it's like calling something house abode. They are they are significantly spooked, the guys are. It's Arthur, Buster, Binky, and Brain. Uh, three Bs and an A. And they're wondering what Muffy and Francine's uh, prank is going to be. And Buster says, the older I get, the more I think there's nothing scarier than girls. Buster establishing himself as the jughead of this quartet. My goodness. In fact, now that I think about it, it's like you got, Arth- you got Archie, Jughead, Reggie and Dilton all in that one uh, oh in that gosh. one four way. You're saying that Buster would uh Buster's going to join the the serpents. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh, why did I why did, why did I open why did, don't you open up that window? <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. And talk about that. Riverdale. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Uh so they're trying to get uh uh ideas for their own uh counter prank. So that they, so they're the ones that scare the girls, and they're taking some uh, references from literary sources. Like Brain is thinking of Edgar Allan Poe's "The Telltale Heart," which we have a great with, little bit where it's like he opens up the heart and it's a box of chocolates. But the scary part is there's no chocolates. Yeah, it's it's very loosely based on the. Telltale have you ever noticed heart. that during imagination sequences they always put Brain in a top hat? <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, he's wearing the same, like, it's his Jekyll Jekyll Hyde costume. He's just yeah. not in the Hyde face. That's definitely, so like, that, one of Brain's, like, alt outfits if they make an Arthur fighting game is, like, top hat and cape Brain. I worry that he might wear that, after like, into his 20s, like, like seriously. You say Brain's just, always cosplaying as a Bloodborne character? Yeah, or just, he's just one of those one of those types of people that wear that wears a top hat and a cloak. Yikes. Just uh, just just for around town, like over his Rick and Morty T-shirt. Ugh. Buster's idea is based around the War of the Worlds, 
by H.G. Wells, which is literally like his idea is two aliens come down in a spaceship, uh, shake their hands in friendship, and then Muffy and Francine run away. And but and, and I do like how Buster eventually realizes he's like, all we need is a real spaceship, two real aliens, and oh yeah, I guess it wouldn't work. <laughs> um, my favorite is the one that uh, Binky has uh, uh, for the uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, or as he calls it, the Legend of Creepy Hollow. Oh my where, goodness! Where this he is and so Ar- good. He and Arthur are a headless horse guy as they're like chasing Muffy and, Fr- and Francine. It they turns are out so it's like, careful to always refer to it as the headless horse guy and not the headless horseman too. Yeah, uh, and eventually they they Arthur and Binky wipe out. It's like Arthur with a horse head on while he's riding a bicycle, and Binky as the horse as the headless horse guy in like a turtleneck sweater with the with the neck pulled over his head and just waving his arms and making ghost noises. I loved it after they crashed. They're both like sniping at each other for yeah, like doing Ar- it wrong. Arthur just... Arthur says to Vicky, he goes, Where'd you learn to be a horse guy? And Vicky's like, I'm headless. I'm not supposed to see <laughs> I just thought it was very I thought it was very goofy and very fun. Uh, so that's their ideas, and then we get your your vaunted a- whispering ASMR Ugh. as Arthur has the idea. So um, you get a lot you got get a lot of whispering in kids' cartoons. You must have been you must have been in hell as a child. <laughs> um, we get a run through of what Muffy's idea to scare the guys is. It's kind of weak, actually. It's like she's got an old reel to reel recorder with like ghost sounds on it. And she uh, pulls down a bunch of balloons that are painted with glow-in-the-dark colors. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's supposed to work because it's referencing a specific thing that happens in the book. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's just like the ghost rain that happens in the book. And I was like, dude, ghost rain sounds metal. <laughs> Clive Barker's ghost rain. Um, like, I, I just want to, I just, like, I want to read The House of the Jack-O-Lantern just to understand what ghost rain is. Just go- um, but yeah, we sort of get these like this juxtaposition of like we see the the boys come up with their plan and they sort of do this like Tiger Woods esque fist bump and be like we're gonna scare their pants off and it cuts to the girls like going through their plan and they do the exact same thing Tiger Woods fist pump and all and they say in a very stilted manner we're gonna scare their pants off yeah yeah exactly uh and they're the guy's idea is that binky is going to be like they're going to project light onto binky he's wearing a jack-o'-lantern head he's got crab claws and for some reason a cowboy hat and brain yeah. is like doing monster noises in this a megaphone. totally this totally reads of like okay what do, do we, what costumes do we have left over like what can we throw <laughs> together so yeah they both have an idea for a prank they just need to lure the other group into it so we go to Muffy's Halloween party, which looks jumping. Yeah, this, this looks... is like we cut to the Halloween party and they're using like the techno music stand in that yeah. they always use. And it's just like blasting. It's like one of those memes where it's like, what would Redbone sound like coming through uh, outside the bathroom? Uh, except they did it with the techno music. They put some sort <laughs> of like audio dampening on it. So it sounds like it's like you're outside a house and it's blasting from within the house. It's a nice touch. And I mean, she she pulled out all the stops for it. It looks super cool. Skeletons everywhere. A lot of great costumes. Uh, the theming is very on point. It just looks like a lot of fun. In fact, she even has like um, a sort of like a skeleton 
gong almost of like three chimes that she plays to let everybody know that it's time for the reading of the House of the Jack-O-Lantern and uh, the returning Ms. McWord. It was good to see her again. And I noticed, of course, that Arthur once again dressed as Bionic Bunny, as he does seemingly every Halloween. I, I always like Arthur's Bionic Bunny costume because, um, like, they, they put a lot of effort in making it seem homemade. Like, the Bionic Bunny uh, logo is taped on with scotch tape. It's not, like, a professional costume he bought from a party store. It's something he made himself. I, I also noticed in one of the shots where it's just Arthur talking, a kid in the background has kiss makeup on. It uh, looks to be, I, th- I want to say and it's Paul's, barely Paul's, animating. Paul Stanley's character, maybe. I don't know. Like I say, Muffy's decorating for this party is awesome. Uh, there's a like, there's just a shot of like a hanging ghost as they're going upstairs, and it's just kind of billowing. It looked, it was great for atmosphere. So they're each trying to lure each other into different upstairs rooms. At one point, what seems to be Binky, it's a jack o' lantern uh, over like a ghost sheet, comes up to Arthur, and Binky's and Arthur's like, Binky, where have you been? You got to get upstairs. So that'll come back into play in just a moment. Muffy and Francine lure Arthur into their uh, prank room, but it seems that all of their stuff has been taken out of the room, which neither of them have done. And then all of a sudden, what's what seemed to have been Binky in the jack-o'-lantern costume comes into the room, but it's clearly like a ghost, like a ghost <laughs> wearing a jack-o'-lantern head. It's... and it, dis- it disappears in front of Muffy and Francine, and they are freaked out. It's clearly a spirit. So Arthur's like, hey, Binky, great job. And then uh, realizes that Binky's not there and Buster and Brain are in a different room altogether. Uh, it's it's like this kind of, it, it's hard to, sorry, I'm not explaining it very well verbally, but it's like the they had to hide in the playroom because the library was locked, even though that's where they just were. And then in the playroom is where Muffy and Francine's stuff was somehow moved. And then we get our Scooby-Doo, but wait a minute, if that stuff's there, and you guys are here, and then really the cherry on the, the whole thing gets blown wide open when Binky comes running out dressed as a Cyclops, uh, he's got a great line about, sorry I'm late, but I walked into the refrigerator and broke my pumpkin, can I be a Cyclops instead? And then they all go, but if Binky's here, then who is? And the camera pans down to reveal the person they thought was Binky doesn't have any feet. It's a ghost. It's a g g g g g g g g ghost. Binky's Cyclops costume, by the way, really good. But yeah, for yeah, something they... he threw together, it looks better than the ghost costume. Yeah, really. And they all run away from the from what is clearly a ghost, and they go to Mr. Crosswire, who kind of chastises them for uh, participating in pranks. He says, "This." He says, "Muffy, this isn't the time or place for your silly pranks. Disagree. Halloween is." traditionally the time of year for silly pranks. Uh, Mr. Crosswire has obviously never enjoyed a jackass film. Uh, Speaking of which, um, there is a, well, I was going to say, it's interesting to say the least, uh, a video on Vanity Fair's YouTube about Johnny Knoxville talking about the worst injuries of his career. It'll, oh, it'll make your insides shrivel up some of the stuff (laughs) that he's like, we're talking even more so than like Mick Foley. He's, a, he's incurred some horrendous torture on his body. And it's all um, for our entertainment. Yeah, really. Um, and then it turns out that the ghost that they encountered with the jack-o'-lantern head was actually the ghost of the family who used to live in Castle Manor. We, like, we go all the way up to the attic, and the family are like dressed in 
you know, turn of the century, like 1900s clothing and kind of talking about why pranks are bad, I guess. Uh, just like, you know, th- there's even a there's even a joke in there of like, what have I told you about pulling pranks? It's like that it's mean spirited and always comes back to haunt you and like har har. So I Though- guess the message to take away from both Ghost Dad and uh, Mr. Crosswire is that there are better ways to have fun than playing pranks. I, I mean, I guess. I, I think the message is that, like, I mean, for kids, they sort of have to simplify and be like, usually pranks will make someone feel bad and be mean-spirited if you're talking about children. I don't think they're talking referring to the sort of sophisticated pranks that we've come to enjoy as adults, such as DJ Polly D inviting Angelina to come back and stay at the Jersey Shore house. Oh, what a prank! That's that's when DJ Polly D proclaimed himself as the prank king. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a little bit too sentimental with its message. But I do think the reason these two episodes were paired together was they both have very magically realistic endings. Well, and it also just makes me wish that we had learned more about the ghost family. Like they yeah. seem re- they seem really interesting. The the daughter and the dad. Like, I agree. They just, they just seem like nice ghosts who want to have fun. And in fact, the episode ends. With and there's a ghost mom in there too, uh, with them going to the party like dressed up as stereotypical ghosts, and it seems that people can see them, uh, and they're just blending in. And the little girl interacts with George, who's dressed as like Albert Einstein or something, and the party continues. And the and the kids promise that they'll never prank each other again. So I wish we I wish we had kind of gotten to learn more about the ghost family. That's too bad. Missed opportunity. All right, let's roll it back to uh, Buster's Breathless. How'd you, what'd you make of that episode? So this is one of those cases when uh, often we'll talk about an episode and while I'm watching it, I don't enjoy it so much. But then in uh, retrospect, as we discuss it, I come to enjoy it more. And um, Buster's Breathless is one of those episodes where it's very much about the moral. Like it's less trying to entertain and more time trying to teach. But on uh, talking about it and talking about like sort of informing kids about learning about certain uh, medical, not even issues, but medical differences between them and how they either shouldn't be embarrassing or you should sort of learn about them and not try and ostracize someone due to them. Even something as common and as relatively tame as asthma, it's important not to, you know, be mean to kids about it and also educate yourself so you're not afraid of something you don't understand. So I I think the way this episode tackles that message and executes upon it is actually really effective and pretty nuanced. Uh, So though it's not like the most laugh-a-minute entertaining episode, I think for all of the super heavy-on-the-moral episodes, uh, it's very effective in teaching its moral in a natural way. I agree, and I think it's a good moral to impart on kids, as we kind of talked about. Yeah, uh, the episode itself doesn't do a whole lot for me, although I did think there were some funny parts, and the the kind of magic school bus-inspired bit with Buster as the tour guide to the body was pretty cool. Uh, like, otherwise, I didn't have a whole lot to say about it. It was just kind of okay, but the way in which they talked about uh, the moral of, you know, educate, uh educating people and becoming educated about things that affect other people uh, is the way to better understanding and to, you know, being friends and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was great. And you can apply it to a lot of different situations, but it's also a moral that still stands strong, especially today when a lot of uh, people from communities that, you know, 
suffer from things like asthma to basically anything else are looking for recognition and understanding. I thought it was a, a it's a great one that you could still show today and uh, uh, still makes a lot of sense. So in that sense, in that sense, for more of a younger audience, I'd say it, it succeeded pretty well uh, with the fright stuff. So I realized something watching this episode, and it's that I mean, it's not a it's not a huge mind blowing reveal or anything but i love the arthur episodes that are horror themes those end up being Mm. some of my favorite episodes and this one was great there was so much that i remembered from here and it was it was so fun to go back to it the only thing i'm not crazy about is kind of the through line of you know like pranking is pranking is bad it hurts people's feelings like the message at the end in compare especially in comparison to the other story is not so great but Everything surrounding that I thought was good fun. Uh, it it was funny. It was imaginative. The the like location of Muffy's Halloween party was really cool. I liked the literary references. Like I always love when Arthur like brings up books that kids may have never heard of to kind of get them thinking about it. And maybe even to tr- check them out themselves. Like this was definitely the first place I would have heard. You know, uh, the Telltale Heart, War of the Worlds. Uh, it's it's a great way to expose kids to stuff that they can learn more about, uh, and it was it was just a lot of fun. I love seeing uh, how everybody dresses on Halloween. It's just always a fun trope of uh, TV shows. So, other than the kind of eh, moral uh, about about pranks, I thought this was great. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you in terms of like I definitely enjoy the like horror-themed Arthur episodes. I think both of us put that episode from last season that was kind of like an 80s horror movie where they were trying to defeat the monster in the woods. Uh, We both were way into that. And I think this episode's a case where I was way more into the aesthetics of the episode. Um, All the set dressing, all the animation, all the character designs, uh, all, again, the, like you said, uh, redoing classic literature in their own style. All that stuff is super great. Um, but I really, really lost my attention when it came to the main plot, them trying to prank each other. Uh, it was all just a little bit predictable with like, obviously that's a ghost and not, uh, one of the boys. And I'm sure the, the prank's going to bite them both in the end. And they're going to be like, Oh, you know, pranking's bad all the time. So that kind of stuff lost my interest. I don't think I necessarily enjoyed the episode as a whole as much as you because of it. But like you said, it is a feast for the senses visually and the, the, Music's good, too. Uh, it's, like, a fun episode to watch. I think it's one of those ones where if, like, you were having a Halloween party, you could throw this episode on in the background with the sound off, and it'd be a great just visual for your Halloween party. But as an episode to Arthur to watch, eh, it wasn't really my kind of thing. Fair enough. I think I'm just used to the whole trope of, like, we don't realize it's a ghost until, oh, no, wait a minute, if you're here and you're here uh, sort of thing. Like, I'm used to it by now, so I was interested to see how... Uh, Arthur would kind of do it themselves. I will say you made a really great remark about how I wish the episode uh, was more about the ghost family. I hope they come back. I'm sure they won't. They'll, they'll go the way of Spanky uh, and never be referenced again. But I would love to see more from the ghost family of Castle Manor. Yeah, rest rest in peace, uh, ghost dad, ghost daughter, and ghost mom. And there you have it. Buster's Breathless and the Fright stuff. What did you think? And... Uh... What do you have to say about Arthur or about uh, Elwood City Limits? We're near the end of the episode, so 
Here's the ways that you can get in touch with us. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Give us a like over there. Send a message, whatever you'd like to do. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Give us a follow. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. You can follow us and reblog all of our happenings, just like Kevlar Ninja and all of our great followers. You can send in emails, just like all of our great listeners did this week, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. In fact, if you like us so much, you can even contribute to our Patreon, patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Plus, if you do that, then you will never miss a week because we always have content, uh, especially even on the weeks where we miss a full-blown episode of ECL. We'll cover you with our fill a buster just in case. And, in fact, if you want to donate and you don't want to go through Patreon, we actually got a donation uh, through PayPal this week from one of our loyal listeners. Uh, You can find a PayPal donation link over at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. And that's where you can find the entire back catalog as well. We want to say thank you for the monetary donation uh, from that loyal listener. And if you're a little strapped for cash and you want to help us out, this entire month from June 1st to July 15th, all you got to do is log on to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down in the media section, and you can nominate Elwood City Limits for the best podcast. Uh, I know, speaking for myself, I would really, really appreciate it. And let us know that you and let us know that you did. If you want a shout out or a pat in the back, we would. We yeah, would definitely. To, yeah, we'd love to. Uh, give you some love back. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. If you would like us to be anywhere else, you can uh, let us know through the ways that we mentioned. All right, with all the plugs out of the way, what's coming up next for Elwood City Limits? Well, the next full episode, I tell you this, uh, there's one half of it that is probably going to be the most meta the show has ever gotten thus far, and the other half, I think, could could not be more relevant than 2018. It's going to be the contest and prove it. Oh man. Oh, this is this is like Buster's back tier of excited for me. I am ecstatic to watch these two episodes. Uh I will say this, if anybody, if anybody out there has a line on Holly Holland from Canadian Oklahoma. Now this is this is relating to the contest. Uh, if you want to go ahead and watch that episode, You'll know what I mean. I, I, I tried to find Holly Holland from Canadian Oklahoma, who is a big part of the contest. I couldn't find her. But if you have a line on her, we would love to talk to her. So please, Holly Holland from Canadian Oklahoma, if you're out there, get at us, please. Now, if you find a Holly Holland in American Oklahoma, I apologize, <laughs> but I'm not interested in speaking. It must be Canadian Oklahoma. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for joining us for an episode of Elwood City Limits. Great to be part of your life uh, an hour and a half at a time almost every week. This is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. Has anyone seen my penicillin? I mean, pencil and pen? We'll catch you next time.